Hi again, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of Three Point Podcast. Three different generations, three different takes. I'm the senior member, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5. On the phones, our middle guy, Matt Burns of ESPN. And I'm joined here in the studio by our millennial man, Jared Fattel of WJSZ. On board again tonight are the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll be checking in later with our oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap, and we're also going to be joined tonight by Adam Stanko of the Pac-12 Network and at Naismith Lives to help us break down the NBA Finals. And uh, I'll tell you what, guys, really excited about all the listens we get. We also are getting people posting up in our mailbox. We got this from Jimmy Skodak uh, mentioning our show that we had Coach Anise on. He says, I listened to Coach Anise on there some time ago. He put it on Coach Fattel early on about not being able to throw the football and beating him one-on-one in b-ball. Coach Fattel handled it well, LOL. It was nice to hear Coach Anise speak on his views of coaching along with the questions your team provided. Good stuff. And also, Brandon Ward, he asked a question, have uh, have you guys discussed NASCAR at all? It's just a filler until football, but I do enjoy listening. So it's nice to get some comments, fellas. Yeah, it's always good to, to hear back from the fans. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that Jimmy tuned into those uh, Ferris State pods because uh, he's a former Bulldog. Yeah. And then NASCAR, uh, didn't you say you just placed a bet on the NASCAR race or IndyCar? No, Indy. That was Indy 500. That's different than NASCAR. Yeah, we had that. I could. I had no idea that was a different thing. All I right. thought that was NASCAR. The races are in Detroit this week that we told you about, the Grand Prix. Yeah, at Belle Isle. And then I think there's a big MIS race coming up here down the road, isn't there? Yep. And that's NASCAR. That's NASCAR. NASCAR is so, huge. I mean, NASCAR might be the heck. It might have it might have passed uh, the NHL as one of the top sports out there. What What do you think on numbers yeah, wise? It's funny. Yeah, I, I just read an article the other day that NASCAR is the fastest growing sport right now in America. I'm not sure exactly like where they get their numbers and everything, but perfect like baseball. TV ticket sales. I, I didn't see that, but uh, yeah, NASCAR is the fastest growing sport in America apparently. And yeah, I, I always say I, I don't remember if I said this on a, a previous pod when we talked about NASCAR, but there's the two races in Michigan. There's always a June and an August race. Right. I grew up going to the, the race in August every year, and I've always told people, even if you're not an NASCAR fan, go to a race. It is a blast. Yeah, it's a spectacle. I mean, Jared would like it because there's lots to look at, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty to look at. Is But is it more of like the the rain, the locals might know this, but is it more of like the, the rainbow crowd or... <laughs> There's, I'm sure, plenty of that, but there are the, the young people your age and you know maybe a little older. They're, they're into it as well. It's it's just a great time to you know go watch car racing, and it's you know they call it stock car racing or NASCAR. Do you understand what the difference is now between that and then the open wheel? Yes. Okay. I think you think anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it you never get over to Owasso Speedway. I have not, no. Yeah, and that's I, I, actually a good time. We yeah. should we, Maybe we can do a three-point pot out there sometime, guys. That'd be a good time. That'd be a good time. They let you bring your own beer out there, too, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So speaking of the uh, Rainbow Bar. Yeah, you want to recap a little Memorial Weekend stuff? Yeah, so this. Yeah, so I was, I was going to be curious what you guys did at Memorial. But let me first explain my Memorial Day weekend. So okay. we, we spent the day on, Ted, uh, on Ted's boat, the pontoon. Great time. 
First problem. So we had him come pick us up, and his boat actually stalled like <laughs> 100, 100 yards from shore. We had to we had to swim out to his boat about a hundred yards from shore. Got it going again, but so so we spent the whole day on the boat. Great time, you know, uh, just playing Beersby and a couple other of those. Does games uh, like does that, that. does uh, Matt know what Beersby is? It's just you put a frisbee, uh, you put a bottle on top of a steak, and like you, a PVC. Oh, yeah, or yeah. A yeah we didn't call it that though. I've I played that. That's a blast. Oh, okay, yeah. So. So maybe you're the only one that hasn't heard of it. Well, that was so. definitely out of my time. So, I had never heard of so it. So we did that, and you know, and then later in the night we go to Jumbo's, like I said. Right. And I left there. Literally, okay, we walk in complete ghost town. Mm-hmm. Complete ghost town. Like two hours later, we finally get served like a little small batch of fries, uh, like a burger. People are mocking the burger. I love peanut butter, so I would love to get your thoughts on this. I had a peanut butter and jelly burger there. Hmm. Like it was a burger patty with peanut butter and jelly on. Yes, it? doesn't I've sound. I've had it before in other places. It's really good. Is it good? They, I mean, it wasn't very good there. Okay, but so so that so that I had that crappy meal, and like a couple of guys they had like drinks, and they they wanted me to try. So I tried a Bloody Mary. Oh, oh, oh my God, those are bad. It's an acquired taste. For Do sure. either of you guys drink those? I don't. Depends. I've had I mean, them. That, that's usually like the morning after drink that people have to to get back on the horse or. Or cure the cure the hangover, it. but yeah, if you don't like Tabasco sauce or, or stuff like that, then or tomato juice, you definitely would not like. I just right. I can't believe people pay for that. Wow. <laughs> oh. so, so you're not a big fan of Bloody terrible. Marys. So that was terrible. Jumbles we watched. How, how old are you again? Eighteen. I only had a, a sip. I tried it, <laughs> and so that was that. Then we go down the road to the uh, local bar for people that don't live there. Uh, Rainbow walk past literally not a soul in there. We go in there just to watch the end of the uh, what was it game seven basketball of the game Eastern game Conference seven yeah. yeah Cavs won LeBron you know greatest of all time all, yada yada you <laughs> look so good mm-hmm. and there's just no one there and I guess that was basically just how my weekend went so in a couple words terrible just absolutely terrible so so, so the bar hopping was terrible and you, and you know again another good reason to go see our friends at Rivals exactly right? and that was that was my big takeaway. Never stray from the pack. Rivals, it's tried and true. It's just a great restaurant it's where I'd go all the time. And it's not because they're a sponsor. Right. I 100% agree. Now, also, last week you had a little bit of a a little bit of a problem signing up for classes. Has anything been corrected on that, or is that ongoing at Grand Valley? I think the problem is sort of. I don't know. That's kind of like what the, the whole <laughs> – you you go the kind of the whole running joke that I've had like with people that are like my age that go to college you go to these orientations and like these transfer equivalency like type of things you go there and you leave with more questions than you had going in mm-hmm. it's kind of it's wild how that happens that shouldn't be the case but hopefully next week uh, I'd love to get the full rundown uh, hopefully it's all resolved by next week but we'll see yeah. so how did, how did you spend your Memorial Day I actually had a pretty good Memorial I mean it was fun getting a call from you I could tell you guys were having a lot of fun it's I, I don't usually need a lot of coaxing to take the pontoon out. I have no idea why it stalled. It usually doesn't. But uh, you guys tracked in the muck, so so I had to clean oh, yeah, that up. We did. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot But, that. Uh, you know, that was fun. I uh, went out uh, fishing the next morning, early, 6.30 in the morning. Uh, only one of your crew came out. That was Casey. Yep. And uh, we caught all kinds of bass uh, the next morning. That was uh, that was Memorial Day morning, right? Yeah, no, Saturday. Incredible. Was that Sunday morning? What a recovery I, I don't know how he did that. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> and other than that, just relaxed and cooked out and had fun that, you know, enjoyed the 95-degree weather. Kind of a class. Matt, before I, I'm curious to see you here, I saw that you went to Tennessee. Was it Tennessee, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tennessee. But, but so I, I, I forgot my phone at uh, Ted's house. I go back there after he dropped us off on the boat, and I just go out on the... <laughs> 
<laughs> he's just sitting out like on the lake, just sitting there drinking a beer. Just t- I can respect the move. Sitting out on my back patio, having a brewski. You can tell I like scared. I scared the hell out of him when I came around. <laughs> oh, I forgot my phone. <laughs> he scared him. It was just funny. I, that's my goal. Oh, that, you know, just that, sit that's on the amazing. Back porch. You sit on the back porch, looking over. Are you right on the lake? Right on the lake. Yep. Yeah, have a have a drink and look at yeah. That sounds awesome. It's heaven, baby. So so what did you? So what were you doing down in Tennessee? I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, we got we have some family in Tennessee, so we just went over there to hang out and my father-in-law he has a pool and a nice back deck and a big yard and everything so we just hung out hung out in the pool and had some drinks and ate some good food and yeah it was a great time enjoying that young daughter yeah she was loving the pool she she was wanting to jump in and she's uh she's a handful but she it's it's a lot of fun yeah so you're not for trying like a peanut butter and jelly burger i would try it i would definitely try it because i still i love peanut butter and jelly still but i just i've never even thought of putting that on a burger that's never even crossed my mind yeah well you got to think out of the box and as we saw with the whole tigers playing hard thing uh you guys are you guys follow the status quo a couple times <laughs> i would call that as far as eating goes i would call that you're you're playing hard if you're putting peanut butter and jelly on a bird yeah you're playing hard all right and speaking of a I don't ro- know that what do you mean like playing hard like are we going to get into this again oh <laughs> playing hard like tigers playing hard yeah oh okay just try it. I will. I would try. Do your homework. I would absolutely show. try that. And I was going to segue back to Rivals because they have a great burger that's probably my favorite there, and that's a, a burger with bacon on it and a fried egg. And that, and then that fried egg is, is it just kind of you know the 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 yolk just kind of drips down on the burger. Oh, it's awesome. You're making me hungry. It's awesome. And polish that off with a Bloody Mary. <laughs> that's right. Unbelievable. I like it. I'll take that to my grave. Well, I'll tell you what. We love the folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's our spot to meet up with all our friends, and you might as well meet your friends yeah. there. Catch up on your favorite sporting events, 21 great TVs, great food and drink specials. Check out the folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, outstanding sponsors of this podcast. An outstanding guest back for a second appearance Adam Stanko of the Pac-12 Network, amongst other things he's involved with. He's our resident NBA expert. And Adam, you got to be pretty excited about this finals. At least I think maybe you are, huh? Uh, I was more excited about the Western Conference finals, if we're going to be totally honest about it. Sure. Um, Of course. The the fact that we're getting, again, LeBron James and uh, him having what I think could probably be classified as a career year against the Warriors. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they match up this time around. Yeah, you know, uh, it's his eighth straight trip to the finals, the fourth straight meetings between these two teams. It, it was a remarkable run so far by LeBron. I guess the question that everybody wants to know, do they have any chance at all against the Warriors? I don't think so, uh, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I really don't. I mean, LeBron's been sensational, but if you look at the Cavs, they went 15-15 and 15 against the Western Conference in the regular season. I just didn't trust any of the teams in the East. You know, I, I really don't like anybody that, that was coming out of the East this year. Boston had a great run under Brad Stevens. The Raptors took control of the Eastern Conference for the year, but obviously LeBron is their kryptonite. Sixers, I mean, now are dealing with their own issues, but certainly the, the, the Sixers have a lot of young talent. I think Boston and the Sixers are the future of the, the NBA, and they're certainly the future of the East, but I just didn't trust anyone in the East this year. LeBron almost lost to the Pacers in the first round and, again, could have lost you know, to the Celtics team, I didn't really think anybody was that great coming out of the East. Meanwhile, Rockets won 65 games this year. You know, Rockets could have been in the finals if not for the, the Chris Paul injury. But Rockets and Warriors dominated the NBA all season long. We were waiting for them to come to a head, and I always felt like whoever won that, and I, I'm not alone in this, whoever won that series was going to win it all. I just think LeBron's teammates just 
you know, it's not that they're not talented, but I think it's the wrong group of guys to surround a, a player like LeBron. Now, you know, miracles happen in sports. We've seen the big upsets before. It doesn't happen that often. But let's just throw this out on the table. For the Cavaliers to pull the upset, maybe one of the greatest upsets in NBA history, what, is, what has to happen? Well, if, assuming everyone were to stay healthy, I mean, ultimately, I think the biggest thing for the Cavs would have to be that they'd get contributions out of players who haven't been supplying contributions, you know, earlier in, in this playoff mm-hmm. run. So I think the number one guy who I don't even know how much we'll see him play in the finals, but I think it's Rodney Hood. Uh, Rodney Hood, I think, shot 14% from beyond the arc uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. He's a guy who can defend. He can make threes. He's actually a really good shooter. can be instant offense for a stretch. He should be the perfect guy to complement LeBron. So all of a sudden you have a player like Rodney Hood, which which uh, means that anytime help's coming from the wing, he's going to be open and can not only shoot from the outside but also attack the cup if necessary. And then, you know, with Kevin Love, I mean, that sort of three-man offensive game gives them some options. You know, George Hill played pretty well in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they're going to need George Hill to play really well. Jordan Clarkson uh, is going to have to step up. Larry Nance is going to be a, a, an energy guy that, that contributes. And Tristan Thompson, I think the Cavs are going to have to play big, which also means that the Warriors are, are, are then going to force to be big. So you're going to see a lot more JaVale McGee in the series, I think. Zaza Pachulia guys that didn't have to play big against the Rockets. But I think for the Cavs to do it, it's going to be contributions from all these other guys that really haven't contributed thus far. You know, if you go look back at at Jordan's career with the Bulls, it always came down to finding the right mix of guys to put around a player so talented and a guy that, uh, you know, teammates that really could come to the forefront. And B.J. Armstrong talked about the idea that, you know, when he first started playing with Jordan, he read books about what it was like to be a genius or to be around geniuses. And he, he felt like he gave him a better sense of how to play alongside Jordan. And, you know, guys had str- struggles playing alongside Allen Iverson. But you have great offensive talent. The other guys often sit around and watch. And these Cavs need to contribute. They can't just be guys that are watching. And I think Rodney Hood could be that guy, although he's been in the Tyron Lue doghouse ever since he didn't want to check into the game. You know, Adam, I'm, I'm definitely with you. That I, I think the Warriors are far and away going to win this series. I don't think the Cavs have much of a shot, mostly because of, like, you're talking about the, the role players around LeBron. But... People have been saying that, even the quote-unquote experts have been saying that, the Cavs, this whole playoff run, they, they thought that the Pacers might be able to pull an upset. You know, the Raptors were the number one seed. That This was the year that the Raptors were finally going to upset LeBron. And then, you know, the Celtics went up 2-0, and they went to Game 7, and the Celtics were supposed to beat the Cavs. But here's LeBron again in the NBA Finals. So what is it about LeBron that actually, if you want to, to Ted's question, give the Cavs a chance, what is it that LeBron could carry them to a possible NBA championship? Uh, I mean, we've seen LeBron basically, you know, play at an MVP level. I mean, the, the first time, you know, we're now in our fourth go-round of this, of this LeBron versus the Warriors stretch. And, you know, while he's been with, with the Cavs, and, you know, the first time around, I mean, they probably should have won MVP of the series, even though they lost. He was phenomenal. And, you know, with, with numbers that, that were right up there with all the, the greats in terms of NBA Finals appearances. And then, you know, then it's Game 7. We, we saw what LeBron did, the 3-1 comeback, and, and he was spectacular through that run. And then last year, you know, obviously Le- LeBron couldn't get it done. They just really were, were just a few steps behind the Warriors, at, you know, the Durant edition. I think 
it's really difficult. But just in terms of LeBron himself, as you bring up, I mean, he's already putting up numbers that, you know, we just haven't seen a guy like this, uh, you know, in the modern era do what, what he's, he's doing in terms of an all-around game. And I think you look at, I mean, his physicality is crazy. Um, he can bully people around, but he also manipulates the game in terms of, you know, understanding when to find teammates, um, whether it calls for, you know, rebounding or whether it's, you know, his block shots in transition or, you know, just how when he decides to play defense on certain guys, whether he decides to roam, look for steals. Most of all, you know, other guys struggled. There were a ton of guys who shot poorly from three in the, in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. Meanwhile, LeBron shot 40% from three. So, you know, he, he kills you in a multitude of ways offensively and defensively. I expect him to have a monster series. There's no doubt. But, look, the games they won against the Celtics, LeBron put up even crazier numbers than he did in the losses. You know, he's averaging like 9 or 10 points more a game, but the difference really was that his teammates were scoring at a higher clip in the wins than they were in the losses. It's not just LeBron, and, and that's what it's going to come down to. So he can put up, you know, numbers, you know, that are around Mount Rushmore numbers, but I think for him it's, it's, it's he can only do so much because the Warriors have so many weapons offensively. They're going to put up, you know, 116, 120 on you. And so even if LeBron has a 45, 15, 10 game, that's still just 45 points from LeBron. So if they're going to score 120, you know, where do their other 75 points come from? And I think that's ultimately the question in this series. Yeah. You mentioned Mount Rushmore's, and I'm interested to hear your take on this. I remember we had you. We had quite a debate about it uh, earlier in the year when we had John earlier. James Harden. People have been, I could tell, I knew my name was on the line when the, when the game six and seven and all of the weight was on his shoulders. I've already been getting chirped before the show even started by Ted. I'm interested to see what, what do you think, how do you think he played overall in the, in the Western Conference Finals? I actually thought Harden was, was really good. I mean, the, the issue was, obviously, towards the tail end of the series, I mean, he just got completely gassed. And I think if you look at the Chris Paul injury, and really how damaging it was to James Harden. I mean, he was the one who took the biggest hit because other than Chris Paul, the Rockets really didn't have a backup point guard on that roster. So not only was he the guy who had to provide all the scoring, he had to provide the guy to, to set everyone else up, but he also had to be, you know, this distributor and someone to calm the team down. And I think, you know, we look at the 27 straight missed threes in Game 7, and it's easy to say, well, these guys, you know, were tired and, and the momentum got carried away and all of these other factors. And all those things played a part. But I think most of all, having a good point guard that could have just settled them down and said, all right, we're, we're going we're gonna to find other ways to score, which, again, is a little bit different from the, the playing style of the Rockets, but more so just finding other avenues to score, whether it's attacking the hoop or, you know, uh, finding plays within the mid-range. And they just they, they weren't looking for other opportunities and, and, and I think Harden was the prime example. Like he, he just didn't have the legs and he was exhausted and he had done so much for, for this team throughout and I think so much. Look at his first half in game seven, he had sixteen points, four assists, four rebounds, four steals. He was incredible in the first half. But, you know, by the second half of the game, you know, in the fourth quarter, even after the barrage of missed threes he had a couple opportunities where he drove the lane, was wide open, and couldn't even dunk the basketball because he was so drained. And I think he's an all-time great player. I love James Harden. I think he's about as difficult to cover one-on-one as there is. He's also a wonderful passer. But he was exhausted, and I really think they would have won the series if Chris Paul was healthy. We obviously won't ever know, but I think that you know he's an he's an all-timer, and he, yes, he's 
struggled, but I think you have to look sometimes at the context and the reason he struggled. But I, I was talking about it with someone today that the thing that is so amazing about James Harden is that he's just such a proficient offensive player. He, he is so talented in terms of his, his jab series, his footwork, his ability to shoot the basketball, his strength. There's like no wasted motion. And in a way, he sort of manipulates the deep, the defender, and he's always almost thinking two or three steps ahead of you. And then he's so quick with the basketball in terms of his decision-making once he does decide to make a move. He's pretty much impossible to guard, except if he's missing shots, and that's what happened to him. So you, you mentioned the miss, him missing shots and the barrage of missed threes. Did you? Is this something that only I noticed? But it's like Zaza Pachulia, they get a shot in the corner, and he's like literally right on these players' backs. Has, am, I, am I the only one that's noticed that? I saw that from the bench. Is that illegal? Is that allowed? But Jared, are you saying 0 for 27 because of the, the bench stuff? <laughs> Maybe it's just because I hate Zaza Pachulia so much. <laughs> It's him and Steph Curry. I was I was really doing a deep dive of why I hate the Warriors okay, so much today. I got you. Yeah, I think it just boils down to those two guys. <laughs> I can hear you, Adam, with the you know Harden looks exhausted. But this is where I can say that the whole Kobe versus Harden argument just gets buried because exhaustion was never a problem with Kobe, and Kobe actually played defense. Harden doesn't play much defense, so he should be resting on the other end. And that's where I say that Harden's game is flawed because. If his if he's playing iso ball that much and he is spectacular on offense, but if he can't carry a team through a seven game series, I mean Kobe had to do it when Shaq would be out with foul trouble or injuries. Kobe had to do it. Kobe was guarding the main player all the time and an all defensive player. So that's where if the if the Harden versus Kobe argument was ever actually legitimately brought up, then all of these shortcomings that Harden has in the playoffs, including this year, just puts it to bed. First off, the Warriors are arguably the best team ever. Who the heck is Kobe doing? I don't even know who I don't even know who the Kobe's like played did that against. The like PJ Stojakovic and the Sacramento Kings or something? Those Kings teams were really good. The best player was I like Chris Weber. I mean all I know, he's obviously a Michigan legend. I don't know. I you're telling me that they compare to the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, no, I'm Draymond not, Green. I'm not saying Thompson. they compare to the Warriors. I'm just saying it's not like Kobe was playing against slouches. Yeah. And it, he was actually having to lock up. So that, that Harden's Harden's game is flawed to me if he can't carry a team through seven games and he's tired in game seven. He was doing everything. And you heard, I mean, four steals. I get that you he couldn't carry it the whole series. He's going against, in my opinion, the best team ever. What do you want him to do out there? He's running around there. He's got Ryan Anderson trying to cover Steph Curry. That should be a crime, first off. D'Antonio, for, <laughs> for sending them in, he should be put on murder trial for that. Well, what you, did you expect? Well, you know, this debate will continue for sure, Harden against Kobe. But I know we're ganging up on you, Jared. We've all admitted that Harden is a fantastic player. There's no doubt about it. The argument we're having is, and it's going to be remain to be seen once Harden's career is done. You know, Kobe's is done. He has five championships. He has all the awards he won. We watched it. He was tremendous. Harden has that chance, but time will tell. He's coming up short. Did you guys see that Kobe pretty much like inserted himself into the MJ LeBron? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw. That. I didn't. I didn't read as much into it as other people did, but yeah, he did about the five championships. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not in the MJ LeBron conversation. Don't put yourself in that. What do you think about that, Adam? Do you think he's even in that same breath? I, listen, Kobe's an all timer, and I, I, you know, I, I do think he's he's in that discussion. I think. I look. Matt brought it up. I think Harden's big glaring flaw in his game is, is on defense, and I, I think his defense was much better this year. There's no doubt about it. But you know, in stretches, and certainly in this series, it was it was pretty bad. His on-ball defense, especially I mean, whenever Steph saw that he was matched up with Harden, he took him right to the hoop. And Harden has a tendency to just let guys go right by him. He 
he at times can challenge guys and defend pretty well. I mean, there was a shot that Durant hit in Game 7 from about like 27-28 where Harden buckled down, was playing defense. I think it, it probably reminded him of them going and practice at each other, you know, at Oklahoma City. But um, I think the thing with Kobe is defensively he was he was a, a monster. And then just in terms of like the legendary stories about Kobe and his, his, his workout regime and, and just you know, his ability to carry a team when it didn't seem possible. I mean, he, he, you're right, Matt. I mean, he didn't get tired. He, We didn't see this out of him. There were times, you know, he played against the Suns or, you know, some series in which, you know, Kobe did some things that people were sort of surprised at. Either he shot too much or there was, you know, Sun series where he didn't shoot enough and he got knocked for. But I think all in all, I mean, look, it, it's so easy now to go back and nitpick certain guys' careers, certain games they had or their competition. But, you know, look, he was going up against the seven seconds or less Sun teams during that era. As you talk about those Kings teams with Chris Weber were actually pretty good teams. Um, Doug Christie, Pedro Stojakovic, Mike Bibby, those were, those were actually pretty talented teams. Then you throw in, um, you know, he was going up against the Spurs, and that was just a Western Conference during that era. Never mind, you know, the Allen Iverson-led Sixers uh, in the early 2000s. So, uh, and Kobe did it for a long period of time, 20 years. So, you know, in terms of his longevity, was was great. I, I, and so I agree with Ted saying that, like, we have to, we have to measure it once the careers are done. And even then, it's always tough to compare because this, we're getting, you know, we're getting the LeBron hype. We're getting the Harden hype every night. People are tweeting and, and praising their games and all that. Whereas, you know, those guys were doing things a lot of nights where it wasn't showing up, you know, on SportsCenter. Certainly in Jordan's era and even occasionally in, in, in uh, Kobe's era. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see till everything's done. But as of right now, Harden's got to play both sides of the ball. His fatigue is something he's going to have to work on in the offseason. And, I expect nothing but the best next year because I'm a huge James Harden fan. All right, we're uh, recording this the night before the finals. Can't wait for that to start Thursday night. One of my favorite parts of the finals is the Jimmy Kimmel pregame, but we'll leave that there. It's a great show. But uh, we all in agreement that uh, we're going out on the limb and saying the the Warriors in this one, and how many games? I'm going to say six. I'm going to give the Cavs a little yeah, chance. I'm with you there, six, too. Cavs get a couple. What do you guys think? I think it's going to be five. Okay. Warriors and five. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking five. Fair enough. So, so it's a full sweep there. I saw something interesting. I mean, I, I think I had seen this before, but I, I saw it today uh, that LeBron, you know, he's been to nine finals now, and he's been the underdog in all but two of the finals that he's been in. Hmm. Now, I've, I've been one that, to say that they're almost, maybe not this extreme, but there almost should be an asterisk next to LeBron's run to the finals because he's doing this in the Eastern Conference. I mean, if you really look at the teams that he's having to go through a lot of the times, it's almost like the JV versus varsity as far as the East and the West. And it shows because only two times in the finals he hasn't been the underdog. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, is there, is there anything to it that, you know, he, he's going through, it was impressive that he beat the Celtics, but the Celtics were without their two best players. He was supposed to beat the Celtics. Yeah, I, like I said, it's a weird thing. Because on one hand, you know, you look at the nine final appearances, you look at the eight in a row, and those are numbers that you just you know, really can't deny. I mean, to, to, to me, what makes LeBron so special is the high level he's played at and the longevity and, and just, you know, the consistency during this run, during, during his career. I mean, I, I, I saw LeBron, you know, play seven or eight times in high school, and, you know, and he was playing at a high level then, and to think that that was early 2000s and he's still performing at that same level in 2018 is just is stunning to me but I, I do agree I mean there, there is something to be said for the imbalance of the, the two conferences you know what he did against the Raptors was incredibly impressive and, and the personal run he's made is remarkable 
Uh, people saying this is an all-timer, though, is, 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 it, like, throws me off. And then, you know, the other part is, like, and this is where it gets a little bit hazy, but if, if we're going to judge him based upon the roster that's around him and, or, or give him extra credit for not having the, the talented roster, you also have to put some blame on him for the roster that's around him because he it, it's it's partly his fault. I mean, if he, you know, the, the Kyrie situation, Kyrie demanded a trade, but what people don't realize is he demanded a trade because LeBron had not committed to the Cavs long term, and Kyrie wasn't about to stick around the situation where he was playing with a bad Cavs roster for the rest of his career. He had already done that. So that's why Kyrie wanted to leave, and, and um, you know, the decisions that they made, like LeBron wanted a a younger roster, fresh legs, guys that could defend, do those different types of things. So he got George Hill. He's got, you know, Love and Tristan Thompson returning. Obviously, Love didn't play in Game 7. You know, those other guys, Clarkson and, and Nance and, and Hood. And, and so just because those guys aren't a good fit for him now doesn't mean that they're not even as talented as people I think are bringing up. J.R. Smith has been there for the, the runs that they've had in the last few years. So, you know, to say that all these guys, A, have been bad or that talking with Adam Stanko. A couple other questions before we let you go, Adam. Uh, We'll end with the Pistons, but I have a question about uh, Brian Colangelo and the whole burner thing. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) I've never never probably, A, seen anything like this before, and B, been as excited about a sports story (laughs) probably ever. I think this is the most fun story of all time. I mean, on, on so many levels. So, first of all, when I heard the news last night, I got I got some texts from different people. I texted a few people myself. Uh, one of my buddies is a big NBA writer. I reached out to him, and, and he's like, man, I, I just got – I heard from five different people in the last five minutes, like right when the story broke. <laughs> and each paragraph, I was just more riveted. So the, the ringer writes this piece, and, and basically, first of all, I think it's true. I, I don't think there's any denying. I think the evidence is pretty clear in the article that it was him, that Brian Colangelo has got these five different Twitter accounts that are basically, you know, what we normally see when somebody's got, you know, the egg avatar and, and they're just a Twitter troll. It was fascinating that he's ripping apart his, you know, his, his, the coaching of Brett Brown. He's, he's ripping Julio Okafor's medical records, Nerland's Noel's attitude. He's ripping, you know, Joel Embiid about how he's not the best player on the team. Now Ben Simmons, I thought it was a lot of behind-the-curtain stuff for the Sixers. Uh, that revealed that it was very informative to me, but also extremely petty. I could not get over the fact that we have an NBA executive that's still worried about his reputation and how his collars look. <laughs> what people think of his, you know, his attire. And I think the, the biggest thing, though, in a weird way, I think my big takeaway was just to kind of humanize him. And I think a lot of times we think about these guys, whether it's players or coaches or executives, and we think about them almost as like, you know, robots or characters in some movie, and we forget that they're just fellow human beings, and we're all susceptible to jealousies and insecurities. And that was the biggest takeaway for me as I was reading this thing was that, wow, this is crazy. Like, he's very jealous, and he's insecure, and he wants more credit. And those are human emotions, and I, and I sort of can understand, and it's relatable. I mean, now, 
a guy in his position to be acting that way, obviously, completely inappropriate. And I think he's either going to get fired or, or certainly the Sixers are going to have to do something to dismiss him because, you know, they basically are taking themselves out of the LeBron sweepstakes. They're about to enter free agency. This is a huge year for them with Embiid and Sarich and, and Ben Simmons and, and the assets they've acquired. And really, you know, to be in a great position to have a great run moving forward. J.J. Reddick's $23 million are coming off the books this year. So I think they're in great position moving forward, but they have to clear this up if entering free agency. And whether that's him coming out, admitting it, and stepping back from his front office responsibilities, or whether it's them firing him, I, I don't know what the answer is going to be. But I, I think the whole thing was fascinating. And then the other big part for me, the other big takeaway, I think, is just in terms of the, the mousetrap that was set up by this writer. I mean, he knew about the five, gets the tip that it's the five Colangelo uh, Twitter accounts, goes to the Sixers and says, hey, we heard about these two accounts. And then immediately the other three accounts that he didn't even reference get shut down. Um, you know, so I, I thought it was just such a great play. It was a really cool gamesmanship almost on, on his part. So um, I, I thought all in all, like, what a cool story. It had it hit all the elements for me, and I, I was super excited. I was a little kid last night, you know, just, just reading about this and being on, you know, following NBA Twitter. Wow, you broke it down perfectly, I think. And, you know, we were just wondering if he's just a complete wacko or trying to figure out what the ulterior motive well, was. Well, did you see the names on some of these accounts? So, like, one, like still balling, yeah. Honest Dave. <laughs> honest Dave, <laughs> like, that was a good sick one. Sick of, like, unknown sources or something like that. The one that had a big picture, like a car cartoon picture of like a cat like doing like yoga or something <laughs> like that it's classic for sure well before we let you go adam uh pistons uh, they're still trying to figure things out in detroit uh, the latest thing i saw today is maybe they're zeroing in on possibly kenny smith as coach what do you what do you hear in in the pistons search for uh you know respectability again i guess uh, i i think it's you know, in a weird way, you look at the, the Sixers model, it's, it's almost time to start over. I mean, we, we see what's happened so far with Drummond. I, I've been a, a, a big Blake fan for you know quite some time. I, I think Blake almost doesn't get the credit that I think he deserves. I think one thing that people don't understand about Blake Griffin is that he's a really hard worker, actually, in the offseason, and he really works on his game. I know people talk about his stand-up comedy and, and, and some of the things that have gone along with, you know, his, his off-the-court exploits. But I just know in general that he's a hard worker. I love the fact that he can pass the basketball. He's a unique talent. He can bring the ball to the floor. Everyone talks about the dunks, but there's a lot that I think he brings to the game. And I, I think that there's a chance you know, if you could surround him with some good pieces, and certainly I think that the Drummond-Griffin uh, mix could be really interesting in years to come. The question is, like, who else is going to be there? And, and the issue for all NBA teams sort of falls in the same boat, and that is, you know, how are you going to rebuild? Are you going to try to attract free agents? It's a difficult thing to do if you're not in a, a you know, destination city like a Miami or, a, or an L.A. So you bring in free agents, you're doing it through trade, you're doing it through the draft. Those are three ways to improve. And, you know, it really starts with uh, making wise decisions from the coaching staff perspective. But it, I, I always say it starts with, you know, if you have a great front office, you're always going to be okay in terms of your salary cap. You're always going to be okay in terms of making that next move. You look at the best teams, not just have the best players, but they have the best front office guys. I mean, San Antonio has Archie Buford. Daryl Morey in, in Houston has set up a unique situation. But I think Danny Ainge, is sort of the guy that I point to as being the absolute best front office guy, you know, with the Celtics. He 
he's able to take every bad situation and make it better. All of a sudden, he's got number one pick. Because okay, I'm going to turn Markel Fultz into the guy I really want in Jason Tatum, and also I'm going to get a lottery pick from the Sixers in, in order to make a swap. And I think those kind of moves are exactly what the Pistons are going to have to do. They're going to have to start getting out and swindling people, and uh, you know they're going to build around Blake. But I think it's going to have to be through making smart moves in, in the NBA draft. I think that's where it all starts. All right, well, perfect. Uh, really appreciate you breaking down things tonight. Uh, you're definitely one of our favorite guests, and when it comes to the NBA, you know your stuff. Now, you're also with the Pac-12 Network. What's going on with you right now? Uh, we're just hitting the offseason, really. I mean, everybody, uh, the big news at, at Pac-12, I mean, that everything's sort of done in terms of show-wise. Uh, we'll pick up in the fall with, with football uh, shows there, but the, the big news out of the Pac-12 today was that Reed Travis, is, um, you know, who was going to be in contention, the Stanford star is going to be in contention for Pac-12 player of the year next year, is not only uh, he took his name out of the draft, but he's going to transfer. People are expecting Kentucky, Duke, maybe Villanova um, as a grad transfer. He's a redshirt junior and uh, former McDonald's All-American. So that's in the big Pac-12 news. Obviously, DeAndre Aiden possibly going number one in the draft will be interesting. So watching all that, but uh, yeah. Hopefully a little little vacation time, uh, and uh, you know I don't think I'll be getting out to Michigan, but certainly uh, hanging here in the in the Bay Area for sure. All right, well we'll try to keep checking in with you on Twitter, and again for our listeners, tell them best way to follow you on Twitter. I just I'm on Nate with Lives. Uh, that's the Twitter handle, and up for some basketball conversation or otherwise. And uh, guys, I got to tell you, I had a great time last time, and an even better time this time. And I, I hope you keep sticking it to Jared. This has been fun to listen. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam. Hey, we appreciate it. We'll check in with you down the road. All right. All right, Ted, Jared, Matt. Appreciate you guys. Thank yeah, you. See you. See you later. Thanks, Adam. Always good to have Adam on. Uh, I don't. I don't like that shot he took on his way out, saying that he <laughs> likes me getting picked on. But Matt, I, I'm going to do a little bit of the picking on you. So. I saw this tweet from you on February 25th, and I screenshotted it all the way back then. And let me just read it for the listeners. Wait, wait. February 25th of this year? February 25th of this year, 2018. Okay. Cavs lost and are a couple losses out of the seventh seed in the East. So they'll be in the finals against the Warriors still? Okay. Question mark. And then the meme on it is a picture of a guy, or is a meme of a, it's a gif, I guess it would be the best way to describe it, of a guy rolling his eyes. And I just I, I kept thinking about that when you were going on that long tangent of the ricochet shot, at, uh, obviously trying to propel Kobe higher in the debate, saying that he hasn't had to go through anyone. Seems like you were pretty convinced that the Eastern Conference was looking fairly tough this year back in February. The point I was making was, you know, everyone, the Cavs had slipped down to the seventh seed. And so this was, you know, people at that time, people were talking about, this is the year of the Cavs. You know, they don't look good. LeBron's not looking good. He's got no supporting Cavs. You know, this, this, that was the talk at that time. They're the seventh seed, and I was basically saying they're still going to cakewalk through the Eastern Conference and make it to the finals against the Warriors. So really, by you bringing no, that up. No, no, you weren't. That is not your tone no, on this tweet at all. How do you know the tone on a tweet? Saying, I, wh- how do you describe a gif of a guy rolling his eyes at the end? Because they're rolling the eyes because they're in the seventh spot in the Eastern Conference. Because a team led by LeBron, I, I can give him credit, led by LeBron, in the seventh spot of the Eastern Conference will still cakewalk through the Eastern Conference and get to the finals against the Warriors. That is that's not the guy you're... that's the guy rolling his eyes. That no it's not, that is not what that is at all. Cavs lost and are a couple losses out of the seventh seed in the East question mark. So they'll be in the finals against the Warriors still? Question mark. Okay, period. Then you have the gif of the guy rolling his <laughs> eyes. 
<laughs> Am I crazy, Ted? This is clearly No, I, I'm just impressed you're going back to a tweet from February. That just impresses me right I there. I screenshotted it right when I saw it. I knew that we were going to have this. I knew I was going to. I sat on it this whole time. Oh, man. For the right you're time putting to too much out. work into this. That, that is my point, that, that the East is that weak that the Cavs, even in the seventh spot in the East, so technically by the standings, there's six teams that are better than them, will still cakewalk through the Eastern Conference playoffs and make it to the finals against the Warriors. So I'm rolling, the, the dude rolling his eyes is rolling his eyes Eastern Conference. Hey, he tweeted There's it, no, and he's explaining it. I mean, I, I, I can't deny what he's saying. He, he knows what his tweet was. Uh, well, yeah, of course he's going to say that now. Well, how am I supposed to argue I've, it? I've, I've been consistent in everything I've said against LeBron that the biggest thing he ever did, the best thing he ever did for his career was staying in the East. And I, I will stand by that until he makes it to 12 straight finals because he's still in the Eastern Conference. So even if they're the seventh seed in the East, He's still going to make the Eastern, or he's still going to make the NBA Finals because the East is weak. I feel like if that was what you meant, you would instead of okay, you would have said yes. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, yes, okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's similar. No, eyes. the guy rolling his eyes is rolling his eyes at the Eastern Conference. I love these. Debates. No, there's because at the time, Cavs lost. Cavs. So this is right after a Cavs loss. You said <laughs> Cavs lost. So clearly the. Debate on Twitter was that they are seventy; they're not going to make it to the finals this year. You clearly agreed and said, "Yeah, they're they're not even. They're two seat. There's two spots out of the seven seed of the East. They're going to make the finals." Okay, rolling eyes. Well, here's a question I have: You took a screenshot of it, yes, figuring that you would use it down the road somewhere, right? Yes. But now, why didn't you respond to his tweet at that time? Why didn't you? This, this is better. Just this wait, is better. Wait, oh, okay, I the, see how you roll. Well, I wanted man. to. Uh, I wanted to say it when he was going on this whole spiel about how weak the Eastern Conference was when you when we were talking with Adam, but I, I didn't you. want to interrupt Adam. I got you. I got you. All right. Well, let's save this for another day. You guys both got your points out there. Before you, you don't want me to honestly, move on. No, just before you move on. Okay. You honestly, you honestly think that's what Matt meant by that tweet? I honestly don't know. I, Matt is explaining it. You're reading it this way. You know, it's just like when somebody sends an email and you can't read the tone. It's the same thing There's, on Twitter. That's the point of the photo. It shows you. He's rolling his eyes at I people saying that. I, I Honestly, I have to be on the fence on this one. Matt oh, explained it. I can't tell. I'm an old guy. What do you want? At the weak Eastern Conference. I'm well, telling you that. All right. Uh, well, we do have Jack Strap coming up next. But before we get to Jack... I want to tell you about the Corona Connection, a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona, Vernon, and Shiawassee, county parts of Lennon. Pick up a copy of the latest edition at most Corona businesses and also Kroger. Like them on Facebook. You can view the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. Next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Jack, did you have a good holiday weekend? Fred, Matt, Jerry, I had an outstanding one. And, of course, uh, as the old guy here, I did what most honorable old guys would do, and that's uh, spend some time at the cemetery trying to pay some tributes for those who died for the freedom that we have. And, of course, I come home, and my son Jake is doing what most people do today, and he was drunk in a lawn chair after getting in a fight with a neighbor for mowing part of his yard. It was a ridiculous weekend in that regard, guys. But overall, it was a good time. Hopefully you had fun as well. We had a great time for sure. Jared and his uh, college buddies all came out and went and did a little pontooning. You were having fun, weren't you, Jared? It was it was a great time out on the lake. You came in clutch with the uh, boat ride. <laughs> awesome. 
this has been hot in the news uh, today. I'm very happy that I get to get your perspective on this. So, I guess first off, do you know what Twitter is? Twitter? Well, my neighbor's a twit. Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, well, no, it's a social... Do you, do you well, know what social media is? Well, Jake oh, actually... Of course you know. I know what Twitter is. My son, oh, yeah, Jake, yeah. lined me up with a Twitter account, but asked me if I've ever been on there. I don't know. I try to get on there every once in a while, but, uh, you know, I think Jake's trying to put words in my mouth, if you know what I mean. This is So let me explain to you the story, and you just tell me what you don't understand, what you don't follow. So... The Philadelphia 76ers owner, Brian Colangelo, on Twitter, he curated five burner accounts mocking. And uh, so he so some of the people he mocked, for example, is like Sam Hinkie, the former uh, GM of their team. He mocked Joel Embiid, Colin McCrybaby, basically just bashing all their players under aliases, I guess is how you would say it. Do you have, a, have you ever heard the term burner account? No, no, I've been burned a few times in some bad, uh, you know, land acquisitions and other things, but uh, no, I'm not sure what the hell you're talking about, young man. Ted, you might be able to help me out better with this. Like, what's a, what's like a 1960s way to describe what a burner is? Uh, a burner. Well, a burner is a burner uh, phone, right? Isn't that what it is? That used to, yeah, they're like a burner phone. That's I, that's kind of where the saying came from. Like track phone, isn't that Do what it is? Do you know what a burner phone is, Jack? Uh, not really, but uh, but go on. So, so the bottom line is, it sounds like you're saying that he set up a couple fake accounts. Like, it sounds like he was acting like a little kindergartner. Like, hey, I think I'm gonna, you know, talk bad about this guy and under the disguise of someone else. Is that basically the gist of it? Yeah, pretty much. So, I, this is, this, I guess, this is probably the best way I would describe it. You know how when you leave like a ransom note for somebody and you cut out like magazine letters. Ah. It's kind of like that, but it's anonymous anonymous under aliases. Yeah, it sounds like he's got uh, way too much time on his hands, Uh, sort of like me. Uh, Just for example, uh, I I took a little bit of the Star Spangled Banner and took some liberty with it uh, after following the uh, Rockets loss the other night. You ready? We're ready. All right. Oh, say, did you see Monday night TNT? Oh, how proudly they failed. Rocket fans can stop dreaming. Sure, they put up a fight. Shooting muscles so tight. And the Rockets' red glare. Over 27 bombs bursting in the air. Okay, it's not a perfect song, guys, but I'm trying here. No, not they bad. proved through the night that an upset wasn't going to happen there that night. i got to work on that line. Line, but uh, anyway, guys, plain and simple, the Rockets played a hell of a series, and the Warriors uh, did not. And the Warriors almost pulled off the biggest choke job since Latrell's free well. P.J. Carlissimo was able to squeeze enough oxygen from Curry, Durant, and company. And as I, uh, like I say in my uh, little anthem there, Houston cannot go 0 for 27 against anyone, let alone the Golden State Warriors. In the East, guys, it was the beast, LeBron James, who carried Miami to the title. Experts say this is the weakest 
supporting cast LeBron carried to the NBA Finals. But what about the masterful coaching job of Celtics coach Doc Rivers? Rivers' team was swimming upstream. Little play on water there. A year with Kyrie Irving, Banks, and Bird out with injuries, and they almost beat the Heat, led by Horford, Tatum, and JoJo White. My NBA championship uh, prediction, guys, is the Warriors in five. See any problem with that? It sounds about right. All right. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what Jerry said last week. Uh, quite amusing, the conversation about playing hard. And, Jerry, I know sometimes you and I, we have this generational gap going on here. But I have to say, I like your spunk, young fellow, because it tells me that you're thinking out of the box. You're not thinking like a robot. Now, look. Exactly. Uh, Fred, I know that you understand sports, and we know that, yes, there are players out there that play hard-nosed, like uh, catcher Pete Rose, okay, <laughs> or teams that maybe play like their coach and are playing hard. But for the most part, I really think Jerry's on to something. Let's face it, these are professional businesses. Yes, they happen to be sports teams that are out to entertain us, but at the bottom line is the bottom line. They want to make money. So uh, I did some research, okay, uh, to find out what some other slogans were for some major league teams. You guys ready? We're ready. All right, so in 2012, the White Sox, these are formal slogans they put out. These kids can play. The 79 Mets, bring your kids to see our kids. The 2003 Expos, come see the Expos for all the right reasons. Boy, these are catchy. The 2001 Twins, get to know them. The 2003 Royals, your hometown team. And the 2005-2006 Rays, under construction. Well, I guess that's telling it like it is. And, of course, as Jerry pointed out, the unofficial Detroit Tigers slogan for 2018, we play hard. Okay, well, you know, I'd like to buy a few slogans and marketing ideas that should have been used for some rain Tiger teams that I had the uh, misfortune of watching. Jerry, you were, you were too young. You've actually had some good Tiger teams to watch here. How about the 75 team? Uh, Jerry, 57 wins and 102 losses. The 75 team had uh, veterans like Bill Freehand, Mickey Lowrich, and Mickey Stanley, along with young players like Ron LaFleur. You familiar with Ron LaFleur, Jerry? I, it reminds me of Peter LaFleur's name from the movie Dodgeball. It's about all I know. About okay, well, guess what? This is a true story. He spent time at Jackson State Prison. Tell him, Fred. Yes, he did. He's uh, he, When he came to the big leagues, he uh, stole a lot of bases. Real good ball player. Had blazing speed. I guess somebody uh, in the mafia called Billy Martin, told him to get over there and do a scouting report, and then he gave him a gave him an offer. He got out of prison, and uh, I think there was even a movie made about the guy. Yep. And guys, if I was in charge of marketing for that lousy 1975 Tiger team, which, uh, like I said, Jerry, you probably don't remember. I don't think you were born then. I would uh, I would have increased attendance by focusing our marketing message on Ronnie Lafleur. 
Uh, the marketing slogan would have been uh, something like the 75 Tigers jailbreak. And then I would have had a great theme song. And as the Tigers take the field running out in new uniforms that I had uh, purchased for them, orange prison uniforms with black tiger stripes coming out like this, fellas. And now, you're 75, Detroit Tigers! Tonight is gonna be a jailbreak. I mean, come on, guys. That the roof would have caved in, man. I'm telling you right now, in old Tiger Stadium, they would have had a, a blast out there. And a couple other slogans could have been, uh, we will steal your hard-earned money while the floor steals second base. <laughs> All right, maybe that's not that good. How about our team needs a spark, as in Sparky, which, of course, they, uh, they ended up getting a good spark. And how about 1996, Freddie, when the Tigers had 53 wins and 109 losses under Coach Buddy Bell, a new Tiger Stadium was under construction so, you know, perhaps a slogan could have been, if we build it, will you come? Or, uh, you might knock us down but our team always answers the bell. Uh, in 2002-2003, both teams got approximately 45 wins and you could have had a slogan like, come see Kirk Gibson, our bench coach, or our season hinges on Brandon Inges. <laughs> anyway, well, Jerry, again, I just wanted to take my hat off to you and expose my bald head and tell you that the Tiger front office received their talking points for the 2018 season with something like, hey uh, guys, let's focus on how hard these young players will play under the 87-year-old Coach Bundingarder. And they bought it! Anyway, okay guys, uh, we run faster. How's that one? We uh, watch us run fast to first on pop-ups. And of course, Sex always sells, so why not uh, try this slogan right here? We play hard. We're headed in the right erection. All right, boys, <laughs> I got to go. My Viagra's kicking in. Hey, Jackie, I'm coming. Always oh, great to hear from Jack, especially when he's, man, he's getting smarter. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to be completely against me on that take about the Tigers playing hard. In return, he body bagged you guys. Like, yeah. You guys are just you guys just listen to the status quo. You never think outside the box. That must You're be falling a, right into their trap. That must be a young guy term. He, I, I wouldn't quite say he body bagged. He dif, he you, definitely had a different opinion. In other words, he, he had a different you, opinion. Put you in a body bag and buried you in the ground. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Okay, from, I get that's, it. That's that's from Karate Kid. Put him in a body bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, yeah, literally body bagged you guys. Okay, well, anyway, it was still good stuff by Jack for sure, man. He brought it tonight. No doubt about it. It doesn't surprise me that he didn't know what a burner account was. That doesn't surprise me. Right. Now, is, is a burner account, let me throw this out there, too, because I wasn't quite sure. When I think of a burner, I think of like a track phone, you know, that, that drug dealers, they, they get one of those phones so they can't be traced, and or somebody that murders his wife and then he throws it away. Is a, is a burner account just a fake Twitter account? Is that what it is? I'm pretty sure that's yeah, what I'm saying. I mean, saying basically, that's what it is. Like, I mean, Kevin Durant got caught earlier this year. Uh, having a burner account, and he would have, it was a fake Twitter account. Right. He would respond to his critics with, like, people that were hating on him. He would respond to that and basically defend himself from a burner account. So that's essentially what it is. Okay. I'm just trying to keep up on this new wave stuff, you know. I am the the elder statesman 
in other words, old, right, Jared? Have you heard about the uh, Pusha T Drake beef, or is that just something that's over <laughs> No, here? what's that? Something about Drake? That's a whole podcast for another time. All you're right. going to have to do yeah. your research, let, come back to me, let me know whose side you're on. I'll I, be interested to hear. I'll do that, by the way. <laughs> Before we wrap this up with a little pop culture stuff, I uh, just want to remind our listeners, Sportsnet Michigan has thousands of high school game radio broadcasts available on Compact, on compact Disc or digital download going all the way back to 1985. Of course, that's for all our mid-Michigan high school sports fans. But uh, for a sample, check out the Posted Games on Three Point podcast. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, it was kind of uh, getting some play on Twitter. Uh, Demarius Randall, he's, he's a cornerback for the Cleveland Browns. So, so he's obviously keeping up with, with the Cavs right now. He tweeted out a couple days ago. The tweet basically said, if the Cavs win, I'll buy everyone who retweets this a jersey. I checked like about an hour ago, a couple hours ago. That tweet was over 838,000 retweets. So probably not what he expected uh, to come of that. But Darren Ravel, he, he replied to it, or he, he quote tweeted it and said, you know, the average jersey that you can buy, like on Fanatics or something, is like 75 bucks for a replica. If you took that 75 bucks times 838,000 retweets, it comes out to about $62.5 million <laughs> that he would have to spend on jerseys. Oh. What I, what, yeah, I think he's backing There's out no of that. What I, yeah, it might it might be a Scott's Tots, uh, the <laughs> office. I saw that on Twitter, but I think what they'll do, he'll probably just do. Have you guys ever gone like the the Lions game or the like the Pistons game and where they hand out the free jersey? No, memory yeah, for they me. They have a bunch of ads on the back. Yeah, or memory like for that. me when I was a kid. Okay. I waited. We got to the game as like right when the doors opened because Chris Webber was gonna have his Pistons jersey. Mm-hmm. We, me and my friend Cooper were so excited. And, like, we got these jerseys, and they were just the flimsiest, like, ads all over, just crappiest oh. jerseys. So I figured that's probably where the angle he'll probably have to go with this. He'd that's have what to. I think. Fanatics, they, they did actually come out and said that they would help him out. They would sell them to him wholesale, but it would cut the price in half. So it would still be, like, $30 million <laughs> worth of jerseys. Well, well, good thing he's probably it, not going to have to worry about it. You're right. It reminded me, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie Semi-Pro with yeah. uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah, he had, there's that scene where uh, – he, they had the promotion for the Flint Tropics. If they scored 125 points, everyone in the arena got free corn dogs. Right. And he started he started trying to get them to not score 125 points because he was like, "We don't even have corn dogs." <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. That was it's, a it's great movie Flint, too. Pretty much every Will Ferrell movie is a great movie for the most part. I just he just cracks me up. I'm a fan, no doubt. And this chick used to crack me up, but boy, she's in the news. Roseanne, how about uh, coming down hard and heavy on her for her tweet, huh? Rightfully so, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that was your company, too. I mean, they didn't hesitate, did they? No, yeah, Bob Iger, he's the CEO of Disney. I mean, and Disney owns ABC. He sent out an email um, and basically saying that we don't tolerate stuff like that, and, and they didn't. It didn't take long. No, and I'll tell you what, her former castmates, not one of them I heard stood up for her either. I mean, they pretty much, like she says, threw her under the bus. It was just a ridiculous, stupid uh, comment, you know, totally racist. And, uh, you know, she's blaming it on, well, she was doing Ambien and did a late-night tweet. Listen. I've heard the Ambien's wild stuff. Well, I've, I've taken it before. You you definitely have some wild dreams. <laughs> might, have to, might have to get you one of those before podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see me on Ambien, I'm telling you. <laughs> but, yeah, Roseanne is done. Big yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I mean, she she's had a history of saying stuff like this and having tweets like that. And uh, I was thinking, like, man, they came back for that season, and it was 
successful. So all the other, like, her co-stars, they were probably thinking, like, man, we're, we're going to make some more money. It was probably going to come back for another season or whatever, and then all of a sudden she does this and it gets canceled. Yeah, stay tuned because I got a feeling they might – I saw something a little earlier today. They might bring back the whole cast – other than Roseanne, you know, they could easily they could easily write her out as she died or something, and then still have the, the show named after her. Well, they'll have to change it to the Connors or something like that. But yeah, they could they could still do it and still you know the writing staff's still there. They're let trying the, to cover let the nostalgia. Go the show stinks. Well, what a, it this was the top 19- rated it was a top rated show on ABC I, I can't this year. It. I can't believe Number it. one. Can I tell you? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it because, I mean, I, I grew up watching that show a little bit. I didn't watch, like, every episode, but I, I knew what it was. And so we watched this one. It was, it was pretty funny. It was all right. Yeah, I mean, and they were they were attacking social issues all over the place, you know? Yeah. We'll see. Well, you know what, guys? I think I think we've worked our way through another hour, so let's call it a show. Just to our listeners, I want them to uh, remember, share this pod with all your friends. Definitely give us your feedback. We'll get you some airtime if you want to hit us up on Twitter or even email us at 3pointpod at gmail. You can follow us on Twitter, like I mentioned. I'm at Z92.5SportsGuy. Matt, you're at? At Burnsy381. And at Jared Vitale. And Jack Strap. Uh, not sure he knew it or didn't know it, but he's at Jackstrap88. Again, I want to thank the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. Also, big thanks to Adam Stanko. Again, you can follow him at Naismith Lives. And this has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast. <laughs>